The sticky baseballs are vanishing and the Yankees are hitting. The Kraken has been rocking opposing pitching and helped lead the Yanks to their latest come-from-behind win with an important trip to Boston against the first-place Red Sox ahead this weekend. We'll talk sticky stuff and the latest Yankees positive run lately with our friend, New York Post columnist Ken Davidoff. We're getting the opposite of sticky with it. Next on the Pinstripe Pod from the New York Post. All right, here's a Pinstripe Pod. Hello and welcome back to the Pinstripe Pod, our Yankees podcast with the New York Post. It's Chris Sheeran here with four-time World Series champion Yankees great Jeff Nelson. You'll hear our producer Jake Brown as well during the show. Follow the entire crew on Twitter. That's at Chris Sheeran, yes, at NYNelly43 and at Jake Brown Radio. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Write in a nice review. Our buddy Ken Davidoff from The Post joins us later in the pod, and we're going to talk to him about the disappearance of the sticky stuff. And I want to start there before we get into the Yankees' latest great run, Nelly. It seems to to us that the sticky stuff is disappearing. It's vanishing a little bit, and the Yankees' hitting is reappearing. Now they just have to marry it to some good pitching, and they could start to go on a tear. They are 6-2 and two in their last eight, but let's start with the uh, sticky stuff. We're going to get into this with Ken Davidoff, as I mentioned. But uh, w- what are your thoughts? thoughts on the Yankees hitting returning when all of this stuff is starting to be policed right now, Nelly? I don't know. I just think it's a coincidence. I, you know, the, the Yankees have been on a roller coaster the whole season. So, you know, we could talk about this next week or even over the weekend or even Monday when they go to Boston and they have to play the Red Sox in a three game series. And if they get swept or lose two out of three, all of a sudden the offense disappears or maybe it stays the same. Who knows? It's just a roller coaster ride for the Yankees right now. So is it a coincidence? Probably. Has it affected some guy's stuff? I'm sure it has you know it, you can't get a grip on the baseball as like you used to I mean they're banning everything they were supposed to come out with a universal substance that the pitchers could use as far as getting a better grip on the baseball I, I don't think the baseball itself has changed I know Major League Baseball or there's been rumors about when the ball was flying during the home run years and all of a sudden now it's not or now it's the same but it is definitely more powdery it always been that way when they went to a universal baseball Uh, I don't know if it's the leather. I don't know what it is as far as what they're doing uh, with the mud or any of that. But it always, when they had two baseballs, American League, National League, you never had to worry about using anything. It was still, it wasn't that soapy, powdery feel. And now it has been since they've gone to that universal baseball. And I think that's what, way back late 90s, early 2000s when they went to that, that one baseball. I I laugh at what goes on when they're checking the pitchers. I laughed at what I saw when I read the rules and how, you know, the suspension and what's banned in the suntan lotion, the sunscreen and all this different, you know, when the sun goes down, when there's roofs on the stadiums, you can't, I don't want, they don't want to see sunscreen. I was in a golf tournament, uh, Ken Singleton's, we talked about this and there were some old pitchers, you know, Ross Grimsley, uh, Dennis Martinez and Dennis Martinez has pitched all the way up until I think what 96 it was 95 96 Jeter hit his first ever home run off the El Presidente yeah they laughed at all this stuff and they said what do you think we did back in the day and it wasn't just tacky stuff I mean they used to scuff the baseball they had sandpaper in places they had they, they you know remember when they had the gloves and they had major league gloves that had the metal eyelets where the leather used to go through it and then all of a sudden they started making the, the gloves better 
they used to peel that up and use that as something that they used to slice the baseball. Uh, they would take and spit on the ball and then all of a sudden, you know, take it and, and rub it on the dirt. The middle infielders had something. The catchers, if they, if they would check the pitchers, the catchers would use their shin guards to cut the baseball and throw it back. And also Don Stanhouse was there, and he was saying that there was a time where, you know, there was one pitcher on the team that had it, and they would go out on the mound, and this is when they never threw the baseball away. You know, you just rolled it to the mound, and then all of a sudden you pick it up, and you look, there's one side of it, it has a big slice on it, and you look over the dugout, and the pitcher's just laughing, saying, yeah, that was me. And then all of a sudden the ball maybe gets hit into the stands, and, you know, another ball comes, and then all of a sudden three outs, and they change, and then that pitcher comes out, and he looks at the same baseball, so he looks in the other dugout, and looks at Don Stanhouse, and they're both having to laugh at what they're doing to the baseball. He says, they were like, do you know what we did back in the day? And, and guess what? Offense was up. Homers were up. Guys knew how to hit. They don't know how to hit nowadays. Everybody keeps complaining. It's the pitchers. It's the sticky stuff. It's a bunch of crap. You know, they're still taking, you know, I'm out here in Seattle and I'm watching the Mariners and I, I watched this guy Shed Long who wound up hitting a home run the other day and, and making it a 2-1 game. He had bases loaded and it was an 0-2 count or 1-2 count. This guy swung as hard as he could at a fastball, 92 miles an hour, right down the middle of the plate and swung a missed. I'm like, you have two strikes. You have have half of the infield wide open. Whatever happens to shorten up your swing, choke up, do something to protect yourself, use the spot that you're not going to hit home runs all the time. Everybody still swings out of their butt. You don't see very often, now I'm not saying every player, because there are players that will utilize the other side of the field, will shorten up their swing, but it's a very small percentage. And every single hitter said, yeah, now we got them. We know that they're not using the sticky stuff anymore. Guess what? Learn how to hit because these guys do not hit. I cringe at when I, I wish I played sometimes now and <laughs> faced some of these guys. You know, I wouldn't like the whole infield on one side all empty, but I'm like, I would probably have 200 strikeouts a season as a reliever if I face these guys. Nelly, what do you got on the uh, velocity gun right now? Well, okay. And here's another thing that you guys seem to miss. Velocity, everybody's saying, oh, everybody throws harder. They're measuring the speed of the pitch differently than they used to. So if you think Chapman is throwing 100 miles an hour, do you think the hitter is seeing 100 miles an hour? No. The hitters are not seeing 100 miles so an hour. they're clocking it when it comes out of his hand. They they're clock it when they hand. come out of their hand. They never used to do that. Now, it's been this way maybe for the last 10 or 15 years or maybe 10 years when the velocity all of a sudden started going through the roof. If you're throwing 100 miles an hour, you're probably throwing – I mean, it's still 95, still hard. 96 is still hard. I'm not saying it's not a good fastball. You're probably five to six, four to six miles an hour faster, or it's going to be four to six miles an hour slower than what the hitter sees. If you're throwing in those low 90s, then it's probably two or three miles. The lower your fastball is, the the difference that the hitter sees is less. Well, a couple things from everything that you just said there. I, I try to watch MLB quick pitch every morning when I wake up just so I can get in tune with everything that happened, especially in the late games at night. And you said something about the shift. You wouldn't like that. And there was a, and I forget which game you'll have to excuse me. I feel it was a couple of days ago I was watching it, but a team took themselves out of a double play and then wound up giving up a three run homer to the next batter because they were shifted all to the left side of the infield. And a ball was hit where the shortstop could have gotten it, flipped it to the second baseman. It was a tailor made double play, but 
They had the overshift on. There was nobody to flip the ball to at second base. No double play. They just got the out at first. So it was second and third, and then boom, three-run homer, and the opposing team takes the lead. So that's first and foremost. Secondly, you said guys don't know how to hit anymore. And a glaring example of that popped into my brain. In the first game against Kansas City, Rugnet Odor was up with the bases loaded. And he had one strike on him, Nelly. And the second strike comes in. He uppercut swung so bad. Honest to God, he had to be, and this is not even an exaggeration, a foot and a half. The bat was a foot and a half away from where the ball was pitched because of that uppercut swing. That can, I mean, if that doesn't illustrate that these guys are just trying to swing one and crush it to Montana, I don't know what does. I mean, you're just in that situation. There's two outs. The bases are loaded. You have a strike on you. What are you trying to hit it into the next state for when all you need to do with your team? And it seems like every time I get to a Yankee game late, the notifications pop up, Nelly. It seems like they're down. They should just give the other team two runs in the first inning because it seems like every freaking game they're down to nothing. So when you're down, especially, am I right or wrong? And you're in that situation, you shouldn't be trying to hit a grand slam. Just try to move, you know, move the merry-go-round, get a base hit, take it the other way and and you have these people on on sports radio these these callers sticking up for these hitters oh you think it's so easy to just go in there and hit yes i do because i've seen it my whole life i saw it the other day in the oakland series matt chapman who's one of the home run hitters on the oakland a's they overshifted to the right side the bases were loaded what did he do on the first pitch from Domingo Herman? It was an outside fastball. Herman just walked the previous guy on five pitches. Outside fastball, Chapman, right in the hole, shortstop. Base hit, two runs scored. That's what he, and I, and I tweeted at that moment. I know the Yankees came back and win that game, but I tweeted at that moment. I said, this is the difference right now between the Oakland A's and the New York Yankees. They have hitters. They have professional hitters and the Yankees don't. It's just that simple. Glaber Torres is another glaring example. And we'll get to the good stuff in just a second, but I have to bring this up too. He's swinging from his rear end. He doesn't shorten up. I just don't know. And I think the worst thing that could have happened to him, Nelly, was those 38 homers he hit in 2019, because since then, I think he's hit five or six the last two years in 2020 the shortened season and so far this year he's hit six in 104 games so i don't know what's going on with him yeah and and, you know if everybody listens to this podcast and they're saying you know they may have some comments about oh yeah you know it isn't that hard to hit you know it's funny that hitters are swinging out of their butt every single pitch and pitchers are trying to throw as hard as they can every single pitch especially the relievers you know i don't i don't know where where that goes and how that changes but i think about a team and the numbers would still be there if everybody thinks that oh they have to swing hard analytics are saying you know you take that 02 cut just like you were would a 30 cut and you're going to hit more home runs that way i don't agree i mean the numbers are always going to be there your average will be high you know you look at Aaron Judge Aaron Judge will get his home runs he hits the all fields he's very hard to shift uh he'll take pitches on the outside part of the plate and he'll he'll do whatever he needs however you pitch him i don't see guys pitch him the way they should and he wouldn't as get as many hits and he probably wouldn't hit that average if, if they understood how to pitch him but they don't and he takes advantage of where the pitch is thrown where the counts are if he's ahead of the count yeah, he's going to try to 
you know, Jackie a, a few times. And, you know, if he's not, then he will take the ball on the outside part of the plate and hit it the other way. You know, I just think about some teams, like, I wonder if they ever went back and said, oh, you know what, let's try moving the runner over. I, let's do the little things to try to win a game. And the hitters, the three, four, five hitters will still get their home runs. They'll be hitting 290, driving in over 100. And, and that team will probably wind up going to the World Series because they do so well. Some teams do it. You look at the Red Sox, they did it against the Yankees. They play small ball. Some teams do that. Oakland A's, Bob Melvin has a team playing small ball. If you're going to shift them, you know, sometimes they'll take advantage of that open spot in the infield. As far as Glaber Torres, you know, he's really struggled. One for his last 22. He's hitting a buck 40, I think, at his last 50 or 60 ABs. I, I think, you know, you look at those numbers, and I've seen position changes before with players where they've really struggled at the plate. And he's not a shortstop. He doesn't have the range of a normal shortstop. He makes a lot of errors, and I think he really thinks about it a lot. I think it really bothers him. I, He's a guy I think he has a lot of pride in his game, and he doesn't like making mistakes, and I think it gets into his head. And a lot of times when you're in a different position or you're not in a comfortable position, you take that in the batter's box. And I think he has done that the last couple of years when he has moved over to shortstop. Second base was where he played when he had those 38 home runs. And I think it's something. I think it's something that the Yankees should look at. I think it's something that, you know, right now there's really not a, there's not room. I mean, that means, okay, where does LeMahieu go and Urshela? You have Voigt back and, you know, Glaber Torres is going to have to play short. But they're going to have to address it, I think. It's something that they're going to have to look at because the numbers are there. Everything is there to prove that this guy was a much better hitter when he played second base. And he stinks at the plate and the field when he's at shortstop. Well, the Yankees are very righty heavy too. Maybe they'll address that at the trade deadline, but uh, that's the bad. Let's talk about the good because this team is six and two over their last eight games. And I know you called it a stupid fan superstition, but since I took the 2009 championship hat out, they're six and two. And I'm going to keep giving you updates, whether you like it or not, throughout the rest of the season on that. But uh, Gary Sanchez, he's known Nelly. We've known him over the years to be a streaky hitter, but it seems like he's been locked in for 30 plus games here that's not streaky that seems to me like he's figured something out and he's uh the reason why the yankees are making their northward trip in the al east right now it started in buffalo against the toronto blue jays i mean comeback win after comeback win and sanchez is hitting over 300 in late and close situations he's been phenomenal and as we've been talking about lately you can't have i know personal catchers and and i genuflect to you when you talk about how, you know, on your team, there was a personal catcher, Leyritz caught Pettit, and how much it, it means to have a starting pitcher to be comfortable. I completely and totally understand that, but I just have to scratch my head when Gary Sanchez is not in the lineup as the DH. And I know Stanton, you got to get him in there too, but you got to ride the hot hand as well. And right now, the wave that Sanchez is providing this Yankees team is like a tsunami on the road and at home, Jeff. Yeah, you know, I, I'm still in the in the in the way of having the personal catcher. I think it's much more important to have that pitcher. And then Higgy wound up going deep in that game that Cole pitched. Uh, so you know, you get. A, I tweeted out. I said, you know what? I Stanton's got to play the outfield, and you, you got to have Sanchez at DH. Something's got to happen to get Sanchez in that lineup. You can't just sit him when he's that hot. He did have a pinch at bat that night, but you know, nothing happened. You know, and everybody's like, oh, you know, the personal catcher. Heck with the personal catcher. Put Sanchez. Cole should be able to adjust. I mean, I, I you know, whatever 
Cole wants that he should have, and that's the way it's always been with a lot of pitchers throughout baseball. You know, Sanchez has been really hot. Whatever you said about his leg kick, if he shortened his leg kick, you look at today's player, and today's player, there's very few guys that are not huge mental guys. And yeah, there's always been that way. I mean, a lot of guys have a hard time getting over adversity, or if they do go in a slump, they really go in a slump, and it's really mental, or they start thinking too much. But it's even more so now. I mean, every team has their psychologist or a guy that they can go to and and rub things off. I mean, obviously, we didn't have that back in the day. Maybe it would have helped a lot of players. But Sanchez is a huge mental guy. You have Torres is a huge mental guy. And I love seeing the way Sanchez is. I mean, he thought, okay, after that first homestand on opening day, when he took off, you thought, okay, this is going to be it. And all of a sudden, he went through a huge slump. And now, all of a sudden, he's kicked it back in again. Whatever it is, whether it's a leg kick, put him in the lineup, whatever he's doing, he's doing it right. And, And it's, you know, I don't like to see guys struggle, even with Frazier hitting under 200. You know, you have those guys hitting under 200. I don't like seeing guys struggle. You know, so the Yankees have stuck with them. I was always on board about, hey, in the wintertime, move this guy. Maybe he's not made for New York. Maybe you can get some key players for him. But he's been one of those offensive guys in this lineup that's really carried this team while they've gone well. And hopefully it continues. You know, he's going to go through some slumps. Let's see how he gets out of it. But right now he's hitting the cover off the ball. Yeah, and you got to ride that wave, as I mentioned. And they're get they got Luke Voigt back to his last two games. He's three for eight. Looks a lot healthier now, doesn't he? I mean, yes. when he first came yes. up, he just didn't look right. I was a little worried about him legging that triple out when he hit the top of the wall, and he thought it was a home run at first. He looked a little slow getting into third there. Uh, the the gate to me seemed a little off. But thank goodness he was okay, and he hit the triple then, and then he hit the top of the wall again to win the game on Thursday night, or excuse me, Wednesday night, uh, as we tape this here on Thursday. Are you guys concerned with Chapman? Because that void that doesn't happen, and Chapman doesn't blow it. He's been very erratic. I feel like the last few weeks. Yeah, I, I well, Brian and I were talking about this. Our other producer and editor extraordinaire, Brian Mungia, brought that up, and he asked Nelly and I if um, we thought that we. We're concerned about Chapman. And, you know, look, if we're going to talk about the Yankees offense getting better post sticky stuff, then we have to raise an eyebrow and say, what's going on with the role this Chapman since this stuff has come up? Because it kind of corresponds, Nelly. I, I don't know what your thoughts are with everything that was starting to come down with the sticky stuff, because Chapman was absolutely he was lights out. He was basically when he walked into the game, it was walking over to the light switch and flipping it down. And now his last, what, three appearances have not been pretty. Yeah, I mean, it could be something, you know, it could be something with it as far as him not getting a grip on the baseball. It could be a number of things. You know, he just came up with a split finger and, you know, he started throwing it in spring training and he mixed it in and he started throwing it during the season. You know, sometimes, you know, I've seen pitchers that when they start throwing cutters, for instance, they get cutter happy and it takes away from their fastball. It takes the velocity away from their fastball. Uh, Some guys that throw split fingers, it takes away sometimes the control of their fastball, the control of their slider. They're all of a sudden mixing in a different pitch when, you know, for me, a reliever or a closer, if you have two really good pitches, then why even mess around with a third? Now, obviously, the splitter has become a big part of his arsenal and he's and he's had some success with it i'm just drawing the straws right now to try to figure out why he's struggling it could be the tacky stuff it could be just one of those things he's going through a, a time that he's not as dominant as he was in the beginning and then all of a sudden then he'll kick it back in you know pitchers will go through that they'll go through a few outings that they just don't have it and then all of a sudden you know red flags or white flags start going up and say okay is something wrong with this guy or you know is it this is it the tacky stuff was he using things is it the splitter is it whatever if he continues to struggle then maybe there is something to uh 
worry about. But I think it's just as a reliever, it's just one of those things that guys go through and he'll quickly get out of it. Hey, he's, he's got a horseshoe in his back pocket because he's a lot of times he's getting out of it. You know, he had the triple play. He's had two triple plays. <laughs> two triple plays. Yeah. So, I mean, whatever he's doing, he's living right as far as getting lucky with some of the pitches. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing we have to consider, too, is he sweats buckets. If anybody needs some stuff to get some tack on the ball, it's this guy. Well, it's 95 degrees and he's got sleeves on all the time. I'm like, well, it could be 50 degrees. He's still dripping sweat all over the yeah, mound for yeah. crying out loud. So, I mean, you got to put that into consideration as well. And I think it goes back to what you said at the beginning of the show, Nelly. And that's the pitchers need something or else we're Mad Max. Max Scherzer said, go ask Alex Baum how he likes a 95 mile an hour fastball going towards his face. So something has to be done. But I, I was starting to talk about Voight too. And boy, if, if he gets in line with Gary Sanchez and, and those two start to hit at the same time, just the pitching has to get back in line. And I think Chapman will, will turn around. We've seen Mariano Rivera with a couple of hiccups and he was the greatest reliever of all time, as we all know. So I don't think it's going to be anything long with uh, Aroldis Chapman, but we all, we all have to pump our brakes with this sticky stuff stuff for lack of a better word because we don't know where this is going to go it's a small sample size so far and it only started being policed this week with the frank drebin-esque umpire uh checking pitchers <laughs> we've had our little run-ins with it being funny we'll you see know, where somebody it mentioned to me and this is you know you looked at the girardi and the, and the uh scherzer thing what would happen if, and this could happen, that all of a sudden a pitcher's throwing a no-hitter and it's about the seventh or eighth inning, and all of a sudden the manager calls timeout and goes to the umpire says, I think he has something in his glove, and throws that rhythm right out, and everything that goes into throwing a no-hitter takes the focus out of the pitcher, and next thing you know, he gives up a hit. That can going to happen. That is going to happen. That I'll bring up another Zucker Brothers movie, Airplane. Uh, when Kramer hears this, the you know what's really going to hit the fan. And if that ever happens, the you know what is definitely going to hit the fan. All right, the Yankees have one more with the Royals as we tape this here today. But we know over the weekend uh, they have a big three game set up in Boston against right now the first place Red Sox, who are a half game ahead of the Tampa Bay Rays. And it looks like the Yankees don't have any pitchers scheduled, but if they follow suit, it'll be Monty, Herman, and King. And those are three big spots for those three pitchers over this weekend. I don't know how they're going to attack it, but those are the three that would be in line. How do you see this weekend series in Boston playing out, Nelly? I think Cole would throw Sunday. You know, the Red Sox come into your house and they sweep you. Uh, they're playing good baseball, and, and Cora, I think, has made a difference on that team, the manager. The managers usually don't make a huge difference. They, they could hurt you, but they don't make a good, huge difference positively, and he has. And, you know, they're playing good baseball. They're playing the right way. You know, they're going to wind up making a move. They're going to get sale back. But as far as this weekend, the Yankees at least have to take two out of three. If they lose two out of three, you know, then I think you have to look back and say, what do we do to get better? What do we do to have to be able to beat the Red Sox in a race? Because there's two teams ahead of them that right now have their number. The Red Sox are playing outstanding baseball. And I think the Yankees have to go in and set a statement in Boston. They, they have to have some payback. They have to go in there with an edge. They can win two out of three against the Royals. If they can win today, then then I think it's a, it, it's a confidence boost going into Boston. But they have to set a statement going in there. They do have to set a statement going into Boston. And then after they do go into Boston to play the Red Sox, they come back home for the Angels for four. And then I did the math. And I just wanted to let Jake know the Yankees are going to miss DeGrom. 
Sorry, Jake. Oh, well, you guys will get a steak dinner. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for Nelly to critique my uh, dance moves because oh I know he wants it so badly. Did you see that? I wouldn't even put that on. Oh, I, I saw and it. Who was the guy next to you? Was that a friend? Yeah, a lot of people thought it was an old man, and he's 25 years old. Everyone thought he was an old guy. Yeah, he, uh, John Fanta. He does play-by-play actually for uh, college basketball. Did both Good of kid. you guys hit every single concession stand possible at City Field, and then all of a sudden do the dance? I'm looking at this. I'm like, oh my goodness! It looked like one of the the stadium started shifting one way. I'm oh, like, look wow. at this, and then and then oh oh my god! Damn chubby checker. How, how is, I want to know how the camera keeps finding you. Do you know a the camera BMI guy? Do you know someone? Do you sit there and say, hey hey Fred, I'm sitting here in section whatever whatever. Make sure <laughs> make sure you get me with the orange shirt. And it wasn't even your stupid what is it uh, amazing but true shirt that you have with Figgy. You had some other orange thing. You had another orange shirt. All you have is orange. I thought you'd be happy I didn't have uh, the podcast shirt on. I and wore what did it. your friend have? He had an orange shirt as well. Would that say the same thing? Were you like twins? No. <laughs> it was a Cleveland Browns polo. He is from Cleveland, so he likes oh, Cleveland okay. uh, too. Okay. But yes, it was. Uh, I think they put me on because the shirt that I was wearing is the one they shoot out in the t-shirt launch, and it says, "This is where home's at, City Field." So I think that combined with the uh, Electric Factory dance moves got me on there. I mean, you get on you get on camera in the upper deck, on you know down in. Uh, do you ever have good seats when you go to that place to go to City Field? <laughs> You're always like five miles away from where the uh, action. Oh going. come on, yeah, it's not true. I sit behind the dugout. I, I like to sit with all over the place, see different the game from different angles. It's fun that way. <laughs> well, uh, we'll 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 be sure to be looking out for Jake on a jumbotron near you. I'm surprised he didn't make it on the Islanders jumbotron last. Maybe week. that's why jumbo. They see the belly. Yeah, like, no no pun jumbo intended. <laughs> Uh, well, it used to be the curly shuffle. Now it's the BMI. Well, shuffle. what was the grilled cheese that you? Uh, that looked very interesting. That you. Uh, oh yeah, posted. you you guys got to come with me because I will give you the ultimate city field food tour. It was uh, from the stretch. It's called, and it was like three different kinds of cheese in this like circular breaded object. I don't You're even trying know. To back me up for a week? No way. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, I was backed up all night, and it came with like this fondue with it that you dip it in. When we go this summer, I will get you guys that. That sounds great. All right. That's going to be enough of talking about cheese and Jake dancing for crying out loud. And Pete, you guys being backed up, please. Yes. <laughs> yes. Let's move on uh, and let's uh, move free with Ken Davidoff of The Post. That's next right here on the Pinstripe Pot. Joining us now, friend of the program, of course, and a great follow on Twitter. It's at Ken Davidoff. You could read his stuff in the post or at nypost.com. It's not at Ken Davidoff on his birth certificate. It's just Ken Davidoff. But Ken, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it once again. Good morning, gentlemen. How's everyone doing? Good morning, Ken. Fantastic. Uh, before we get to the Yankees, uh, you know, I have to ask you about the circus that has become the sticky stuff searches. We've had some theater with Mad Max and Joe Girardi, Sergio Romo almost stripped on TV, while <laughs> Shohei Otani joked around with the umpires as they searched him. So, what, what have your what have been your uh, thoughts on this whole thing so far, Kenny? Well, from an entertainment perspective, it's fantastic. I mean, <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, the Scherzer Girardi thing was that was five stars. That was yes. that was unreal. And I I would expect that Joe Girardi will get disciplined. I mean, for I'm surprised he hasn't already, to be honest. Uh, you know, for his actions, and you know, then you find out he wasn't even going after Scherzer. He was going after one of his former coaches, Kevin Long. <laughs> so it, it keeps getting better and better. And look, I uh, we were just talking off air about the relationship between. MLB and the union. And I think a lot of this gets back to that. MLB made it clear in their minds back in March. All right, like it's go time. We have an issue. We're going to take these first two months to collect data. And if we don't like what we see, we're going to take the next step. Lo and behold, the pitchers ignored that. Perhaps the union should have done a better job communicating this to their pitchers. And so MLB took the next step. Uh, you mentioned Scherzer and Romo, understandably, but you know, 99% of the cases went peacefully. You mentioned Otani laughing. I was there at City Field Monday with Jacob DeGrom, the very first guy to get searched. He was smiling. He was fine. Garrett Cole, who's been in the middle of all this, uh, handled the whole thing like a gentleman on Tuesday. So most of this has gone fine. No one has gotten caught. And the offensive numbers, by coincidence or not, are on the uptick. So I'm in favor of what they're doing, even if the optics can be a little uncomfortable at times. I think the end result justifies the means. Yeah, I, I think it's a debacle. You know, again, the, the league's doing some things. You know, I agree that I've never heard, we, we talked before, I never heard of that spider tack and the, and the pelican grip. I think it's new. It, it wasn't, maybe it was around when I played. I have no idea, but I never heard of it. You know, you knew, I knew because... Scherzer's on the board for the uh, Players Association, so you knew he was going to have an issue with it. Any kind of rule change, you know, you heard some rumblings that Scherzer was one of the guys that are not happy about the pitch clock or any of that other stuff. He goes, okay, bring it on. And uh, and I'll make sure that I do something that disregards whatever rule you're going to put in place. Ken, I thought they were going to go and use or come up with some kind of universal thing that the pitchers could use or whatever it was and say, okay, this is what you guys can use and this is legal. Uh, and now all of a sudden they just implement that everything is banned. And it's a little, I don't, I don't want to say concerning, but it's something that I don't think baseball needs. I mean, whatever, okay, yes, if it gives the pitchers a better grip, the spin rate to a breaking ball or whatever, yes, okay. They're doing something to gain an advantage or gamesmanship or whatever you want. But I thought the league was going to come out and say, okay, this is a universal substance that everybody could use. Yo, first of all, it's a spin rate for a fastball too, right? And that's 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 a big part of the problem here, uh, and that's a very fair uh, complaint. Now, yeah, they haven't they haven't come up with that universal substance, and the baseballs themselves re- remain a source of contention for a long time now. And I, that's why I just say, just come up with a synthetic baseball that everyone's going to be happy with. And uh, yeah, again, I think this speaks to the dysfunction uh, between MLB and the Players Association. I think if they were more uh, working in tandem better, uh, then they would have worked uh, more smoothly on this and, and come up with a better solution. Can you just mention the baseball? And it is, it's, it's, I don't know if you have grabbed a baseball recently after a, a game used ball. But if anybody has grabbed it and, you know, said, okay, wow, this is really, it's a powder. It's almost like a powdery substance. It's really, really smooth. It's its kind of soapy. It's really slick. The baseballs are really slick now. I don't know what they're using. Maybe it is the same mud or maybe it's a different kind of leather they're using or whatever they're doing. They're doing something to the baseball that, you know, even a middle infielder, you know, if you, you always see the middle infielders go down, maybe grab dirt. You see the catchers, they're always grabbing dirt. They're trying to roughen up their hands to get a better grip on the baseball the baseball is not the same whatever they're using whatever they're doing it's not the same that it used to be where you didn't have to use any of this substance or tacky stuff to get a grip on the ball yeah again no it's 
it, this this part to me is embarrassing because you know the name of the sport, if we haven't noticed, is baseball, <laughs> and, and and the baseball itself just becomes a source of so much tension and and disagreement. And it's like, folks, just get it right. I mean, my God, like you know, in my job, there are so many things I'm happy to write about and cover. I cannot stand writing about the baseball itself. I think it's preposterous. But here we are in 2021. This sport was founded in 1869 or earlier, and we're still dealing with the freaking baseball itself. Well, I have an idea. Why don't they get together the top pitchers in the league and have them as a consulting firm on how to build a proper baseball so we could just do this and move on? I mean, that seems to me, get the general consensus from pitchers across the league. And then in the offseason, why don't you try to knock out a ball that everybody could come to an agreement on? And then we're not having these stupid discussions, as you said, about a damn baseball, which is... It's at the very nucleus of the damn sport, Ken. Yeah, I do think, Shirney, uh, that, I mean, maybe Nelly can back me or disagree with me. Like, the, you know, <laughs> every pitcher has a different opinion on the baseball. That's part of the problem, right? Is that, you know, you talk about getting a consensus. That's pretty darn difficult. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. When it, when it first came out, you saw Glasnow blame the baseball or not having any grip because he hurt his arm and now he could be out for a year. Who knows? And then all of a sudden, Garrett Cole comes out in his first start and says, yeah, I really could not get a grip. It was frustrating. Oh, he goes eight innings, gives up two runs, didn't walk a batter and struck out nine. So that's kind of, uh, that's, a, that's a bad example right there. When he comes out, I couldn't get a grip of the baseball and then he, and he sticks it up Toronto's you-know-what. But it seems like they have to come up with something. You, you know, it's funny the way they made the rules and especially with the sunscreen and, you know, well, you can't use it when the sun goes down. And if you're in a dome stadium and the roof is closed, there shouldn't be any sunscreen or any suntan lotion around. You know, it seems like there's so much more or so many more problems in baseball than just the tacky stuff. This is going to be the rest of the year. It's it's uh, it's embarrassing. <laughs> I think it would be personally, I think it would be more embarrassing if they put up their hands and did nothing. And we continue to have the, you know, every pitcher striking out 12 guys a game. I think, again, it's a small sample these few weeks. You've seen the Yankees offense pick up and they're not alone. And I think it's a more exciting brand of baseball when there's more balls in play. I agree with Kenny there, absolutely. And the Yankees' offense is starting to come around. And one of the main key cogs of that offense so far in their turnaround, six out of the last eight games they've won since they went up to Buffalo and swept the Toronto Blue Jays off the field up there at Solomon Field. And again, our third wheel, our fourth wheel, because we got Jake in here too, is uh, giving a little voice here on the podcast. What's her name again, Kenny? Her name is Princess, and I apologize. She <laughs> That's is, okay. That's okay. Like she, her, her personality matches her name. Bark <laughs> twice if you're in Milwaukee. <laughs> But Gary Sanchez has been really turning things around, not only for himself, Kenny, and not only in late and close situations, he's hitting 303 in those situations. That's the seventh inning or later, for those of you who don't know, and you're either up by a run, tied or trailing or have the tying runner on base. He's just been crushing the baseball and we've heard it on the broadcast. It's It's been his lowering the leg kick and kind of taking it out almost completely if you watch him intently at the plate but he's really he's he's known as a streaky hitter Ken but this streak has gone on now for the better part of 30 games yeah this is this is a big deal I mean look I I was certainly among the many last winter who, who said enough 
time to cut ties with this guy. Yeah. So credits, big, big credit to Gary Sanchez. I mean, this is a guy who just got crushed by so many people and credit to the Yankees for sticking with him uh, because where would they be right now without Gary Sanchez? You know, unless they had signed JT Real Muto, which they clearly were not uh, ready to do from a budget perspective. But short of that, I don't think there was anyone else out there uh, who they could have gotten, who could have matched uh, what, what Gary Sanchez has given them. You know, can I, you know, there's all kind of controversy when Cole pitches about, okay, look, the other night, Sanchez has got to be in the lineup. Uh, you either got to catch him, DH him, do whatever, you know, the heck with the personal catcher stuff. Well, being a pitcher and seeing a lot of the personal catchers and what it does for that starter, I'm more on the side of you got to have the starting pitcher more comfortable than worrying about your offense. But at the same time, you got to have Sanchez in there. The DH spot is killing the Yankees when Stanton cannot play the outfield. And for whatever reason, he's working his way up to playing. So the interleague, so when interleague play comes around, you know, what do they do going forward? I mean, do can they afford putting Stanton out? Can they afford using him in the outfield, knowing that hey, this guy could break down at any moment? Or do they just say, okay, sorry, sorry, Higgy, you won't be his personal catcher anymore. I got to have Sanchez in there, especially when he's this hot at the bat. Yeah, I don't, I don't think this should be this hard a decision. I mean, I agree with you, Nelly, on the personal catchers. I mean, you know, this is not a new phenomenon. I mean, we, we, you had it in your Yankees teams, right? I mean, Girardi would catch Cone and, uh, you know, Girardi. Pettit and Layritz, yeah. Yeah, right, right. Layritz called Pettit. So, and, you know, Javi, uh, Greg Maddox would work with anyone besides Javi Lopez back with the Braves. And then Randy Johnson wouldn't pitch the facade. <laughs> so this, <laughs> this, this has gone on. This has gone on for a long time. And Gary Sanchez can't play every day. No catcher plays every day. So it's a natural day to rest him. If you want to DH him that day and make that day the natural day to rest Stanton, I'm fine with that. Putting Stanton in the outfield to me is just a recipe for disaster. I mean, the guy can barely stay healthy only DHing. You're, I agree with you. He is, uh, you know, he, he's what, what's the word I'm trying to think of? He's an anchor on that DH position. And look, ultimately, that trade might haunt this entire regime uh, and might doom them. But, you know, for the moment, I certainly would not put John Carlos Stanton in the outfield. When John Carlos Stanton is producing, as he did la- just last night, all is well. When he's in one of those funks, then yeah, he really drags down the team but it is what it is i think you want to dh stant one of most of the time if you want to if you want to dh sanchez when uh when cole was pitching uh to keep sanchez in there that's fine but sanchez needs to rest at some point too a couple things you kind of got something rattled around in my brain there ken when you mentioned that randy johnson wouldn't throw to posada he did throw to john flaherty and uh, i don't know if you remember it. i don't know if you were at the stadium (laughs) but there was a game where johnson showed Flaherty up and Flaherty called time. He told me this story. Uh, I think it was pretty much on this podcast too. So he went out to the mound. He took, he didn't take his mask off on purpose. He wore that hockey style mask and he went up to Johnson. He said, you ever show me up in front of 57,000 people again, I will knock your ass out. So yeah, there's that. There's a lot of these stories running around in my head, but I want to go, <laughs> I want to go back to Stanton. Nelly and I have been talking about this the past couple of shows and he is, you, you couldn't be more right by saying, saying he is an anchor in that DH position. And Yankee fans, I got news for you. Unless they move this guy, he's going to be that anchor until the end of the 2028. That's eight. The snowman 28 season. He is with the Yankees until then. So 2029 will be the first year that they won't have to deal with. Is he going to get hurt? Is he okay? Can we put him in the field? Uh, But to me, 
And I talked about this and I'll bring it up again with my orthopedic surgeon. And he seems to think now he's not around a team, but he is a doctor. And he, he said to me, I think they're doing him a disservice by not playing him because he's not hot. He goes in there as a DH and that, that may be why he has these leg problems with the quad and the hamstring all the time. Now, look, I'm not on the medical staff of the Yankees. Neither is he. But it just seems to me and it seems counterintuitive, Kenny, to have this guy DH and he still runs into all these medical issues. I, I just I throw my hands up. Up and I, and I I just want to hear your thoughts. Uh, a few things. So what, what's that? Is that part of the interruption where the guy issues corrections at the end? Is that the show? <laughs> so first yes. of all, Stanton is signed through 2027, not 2028. Oh, my, my fault. Uh, my second fault. of all, the word I was trying to think of was not anchor, but albatross. I knew it started okay. with an A. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Achilles heel, cancer, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, and with all due respect to your your orthopedist, I mean, you know, that'd be like saying, well, you know, my, my you know, 92 year old grandfather, you know, he's having trouble, uh, you know, walk crossing the street. So now I'm going to have him run a marathon. Like, I, I don't understand the idea of, well, Stanton can barely handle the Asian, So let's have him out play the outfield too. Just to me, it increases the likelihood of him getting injured. Yeah. You know, I was just looking up his stats because I wanted to know him being in the National League with the Marlins, who's playing right field. And and we talked about this, I think, on Monday, Shirney, that, uh, you know, he always seemed to take that vacation time during some somewhere during the season where it was two weeks or a month. And, you know, no, he only has it. There's probably out of the 12 seasons, there's only four times that he's played over 145 games out of 12 years. So that's even counting those days with the Marlins. The last season that he did, I mean, he had 150 and he played in 158 games when he hit the well, 159 games when he hit the 59 home runs. So he, even with the Marlins, they knew when they traded him that he was a guy that was not going to give you that 140 plus consistently in that lineup, whether it was right field or D8. So, you know, I can understand what, you know, saying, hey, get your legs used. Who knows what they what they do as far as working out, riding the bike, whatever it is. You know, I don't even know. Ken, does he even out there, you know, shagging balls? Does he do anything in the outfield, take any kind of outfield drills? He has done a few times this year. Yeah, they've flirted with the idea of him playing the outfield. What about the team, Kenny? Do you think they're start, they're six and two in their last eight? And I know you have your predictions that uh, you know that you put on Twitter uh, every day to the much to the enjoyment to some people on Twitter and much to the chagrin of other people on Twitter. I tend to enjoy it. Thank you. Uh, and and since I took my 2009 World Series championship hat out, they are six and two. They the offense seems to be waking up. It does seem to correlate with the sticky stuff being policed now. Do you see this team starting to turn or do you see guys like uh, Glaber Torres needing to turn things around? Do you see the pitching staff that needs to get a little bit more in tune with the hitting for this team to truly start to rise meteorically in the AL East and get a playoff spot here? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've written about this a couple of times, Shirley. So six, six and two, but and a very exciting six and two, right? I mean, every win is a highlight film. The issue is they could really use some like nice eight to two wins, right? Some just starter goes six innings, guys jump out to an early lead. There's no drama. That's what they could use. And it's just, uh, I, I don't think what they're doing now is sustainable. I mean, last night was insane, right? Their two best relievers combined to give up three runs uh, in the final two innings. And to their credit, they fought back to their big credit. But that's a dangerous game to play. And you saw that the previous night, the opener of the series, when Loisaga blew up and they just couldn't, you know, they, and again, to their credit, they closed within 6-5, but couldn't quite finish the job. So that's that's tough to live on that edge. So I think right now, I, I think the obvious formula is keep hitting as they have been hitting, but they need their pitching to go back 
back like it was pre-sticky stuff in, enforcement, which might not be doable, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, it, July 1st is around the corner, and I know the trade talk's already heating up with a lot of teams. And you look at the two teams or a couple teams that are ahead of, and even the Blue Jays you can throw in there, they're probably going to make moves. I don't know about the Rays. The Rays never really seem to do, seem to do anything, but Boston seems to – they're interested in doing things. Toronto's interested in adding a hitter, adding some bullpen help. What do the Yankees do? Are they still, I, I hear Cashman say he's presenting everything he can to Hal Steinbrenner as far as going over that threshold, the $210 million. What do you, do you see them doing anything? Do you see them adding any significant piece to maybe catapulting them ahead and grabbing one of those playoff spots? Because if the two teams, as the Blue Jays or the Red Sox add, it might be difficult for them to overtake them. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, they'll be active. Uh, I think center field is, is probably still the, the primary uh, objective. I mean, starting pitching, obviously a, a concern, especially with, with Tyon really not panning out so far and Severino having his setback. But they still do have Kluber, they hope, on the mend, and they still hope to get Severino, let's say, by, what, the end, end of July, maybe mid-August. But those are the two, uh, I think, obvious targets. And and if they can get a, if the center fielder can hit lefty, all the better. But yeah, they'll, they'll certainly be involved. You're right. The big question is, will they pass that threshold? Because they have very little room there uh, as they currently stand. And will Hal Steinbrenner authorize that? And if he doesn't, how many young players would the Yankees have to give up just to get teams to pay down uh, the salaries on guys so that they can still acquire talent but stay under that threshold. Yeah, it's going to be interesting as we get closer and closer to the trade deadline. Kenny, as always, we appreciate you coming on. He's a great follow on the Twitter machine, at Ken Davidoff. You could read his stuff also in the post or at nypost.com. Thanks a lot, Ken. We appreciate it. Uh, thanks, guys. Take care. That says goodnight to episode 64, the Carlos Mendoza edition of the Pinstripe Pod, our Yankees podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown and Brian Mongia for three for producing the show. Please dive into Apple Podcasts right now. Give us a five-star rating, write in a positive review. We do appreciate it. For Jeff Nelson, I'm Chris Sheeran. We're back on Monday after the Yankees series with the Red Sox in Boston. Enjoy the games in your weekend. Thanks for listening to the Pinstripe Pod.